It's time for the Basser Hour. The Basser Hour is a look at issues that affect today's veteran. The Basser Hour is brought to you by www.hadit.com. If you need help with the VA, log on to hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Jay Basser. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Basser Hour, sponsored by the famous website, hadit.com. My co-host today, on this 5th day of January, 2016, is the one and only Gerald Cook out of Missouri. How are you today, Gerald? Well, I'm doing good. Sun shining here. Beautiful looking day, although it's only about, oh, 42 degrees, somewhere in there. Looking nice outside, but I think I'll stay in again today. The chilly Uh, willy. But we do have some good topics today, and this is yes, uh, we do. I think this is a, will be a, a, a good show, very informational. I hope everyone's got their pen and pencil, paper ready. Uh, uh, this is this is quite a deal. We're going to start back with the basics. I think, isn't that right, John? Uh, we got to start yeah, somewhere. We, well, we do a lot of these shows, Gerald, and, you know, we do them in a two-tier format. We've got the Hadit Show, which is your show, and we do the Basser Hour, which is kind of a show that I took up a few years ago trying to cover some other stuff. But uh, this show today is we're kind of going back to the basics, you know. I mean, you know, we get uh, so far along that, uh, you know, Hadit has a lot of new members, you know, that actually join every day. And uh, sometimes these folks kind of get lost in the shuffle, lost in the mix. And it's, I know it's very hard on the people that are actually just starting out when you file your claim and stuff. And well, if you know if you're trying to, you know, see if you even have a benefit or basis to file a claim. So we're going to start over on the process, and we're going to make this a, uh, like a four-part series in the next several weeks on the Basher Hour. And uh, basically, we're going to start from scratch. Well, and uh, you know that's. Yeah, so, I mean, it's an idea we had a couple weeks ago and we talked about it, so we decided to just go ahead and do it. And there's a lot of information involved, but uh, the information we give you is basically comes from the VA. And uh, we'll discover, we'll, we'll cover almost every bit of the gambit. And, uh, you know, and we'll give you the form numbers and, you know, things like that. And if you miss something and, you know, you uh, want to, you follow along, you can write down stuff you need, but you can also uh, listen to the show anytime you want to. You can go to the archive and listen to it again. Uh, that's how, you know, people learn. It's just, uh, you know, we try to bring this stuff word of mouth, and, you know, we appreciate you listening. So I guess we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, you know, if you're a veteran in the service, you know, the military is a dangerous place, isn't it, Gerald? Oh, well, absolutely. It's very dangerous. And, uh, I. You know, uh, and usually the military, uh, it's young people get in there, uh, 18, 19 years old, and and uh, I don't know what it is, but they seem to think they're invincible, and and uh, sometimes they end up getting hurt, and this, you know, you try to overlook it at the time, but later on in years, it'll come back and haunt you, and... Uh, uh, it's like a bad nightmare, and you, you don't know what in the world you're going to do. That's true. And then you, do, you know, you say, well, 
Somebody said, well, pile a claim, dummy. <laughs> and you said, well, okay. So you go find your BSO and try to pile a claim. And it's been my experience, and I know the experience of a lot of other veterans, that uh, sometimes when you first file a claim, that's where you get off on the wrong foot. Uh, filing, uh, when you first file a claim, it's extremely important that you you meet the five elements of a claim. you got to fulfill those five elements of a claim if you're ever going to go anywhere and if you... Uh, are fortunate enough to be able to go to add it and and study up on this a little bit, just a day or two, uh, will make a lot of difference uh, in in how you proceed with your claim. Uh, a lot of these VSOs you go to, not to say they're all bad, but there's a lot of them. They just some reason they like to rack up a lot of numbers, but uh, they they kind of go short on the on what's required to successfully uh, achieve your you know win your claim and and the five elements of a claim that's the first thing you ought to meet is five that's elements right. of and if your BSO wants to talk about something else, how great he is, you better find you a different one. Yeah, we'll discuss how to select a good VSO here. You yeah, know, yeah. But, you know, we'll but that'd be one of the timing. first questions I would yeah. ask. And, and, timing is uh, the most important issue. Yes, so, it is. Now, you guys that are still in the service or you guys that have just got out of the service and are still within a, a year of separation, it's more, it's, you right now you are the most important people because, say, for example, you were injured in service, whether you was a combat injury, uh, whether you got hurt uh, in an industrial accident, anything, you know, whether you were playing sports and got hurt, anything, any type of injury or illness or whatever that has a residual effect, you have one year from the day you get out and you file that claim and you get that claim approved, then basically your retroactive payment goes back to the day you got out. However, if you receive any severance pay for getting out, then that retro payment is deducted. That's, you know, so if you receive severance pay, you probably won't get anything until that severance pay is used up. So that's how they do it. Anytime you receive money from the government, they try to take it out of your VA check anyway, so you won't receive anything until that money is accrued, according to our buddies at the VA, which they like taking that money away. They, uh, they love taking it. Now, the second thing is this. If you have an injury in the service in the military, and say you have uh, you hurt your neck or your back, and, you know, when it gets better, you know, and uh, you go to the doctor and they do x-rays and stuff and you say you've got some damage done, but they put you physical therapy and you start feeling better, they let you stay in. Well, you get out five years down the road, you're working, doing something, and your back starts hurting you again. Well, you go to the doctor and look, same location, same place, it's got, it's worse than what it was and you were in the service. Well, 
you start going for treatment and things like that, you keep those records because you can still file a claim, it, claim on it. The presumptive period's gone, but there's a evidence of treatment continuity there. You can still service-connected. You just need a doctor to put the nexus of the original injury occurred in service. And see, but the VA likes to fight them a lot more than something on a direct service connection basis when you got out the first year. And it all, it, that adds a little bit of time to your claim because it's a little more complex. But we'll start this way. Now, the first thing we need to be aware of if we're going to file a claim is we need to know what's wrong with us. You know, some websites saying that we don't understand what's wrong with us, then we'll have to let the VA figure that out, you know. Well, Personally, I want to know what's wrong with me. I want to figure it out. Don't you, Gerald? I want the doctor to tell me what's wrong with me, so I don't know. Okay. Now, the VA, they have a manual, okay, and they have regulations and laws, the law of the Title 38 CFR. The Part 3 is the adjudication manual, and the Part 4 is the schedule for rating disabilities. The adjudication manual is basically the Bible. It tells them, you know, the rating processes and everything like that, what to do. The part four is the actual schedule. And it tells you each list of disability, each percentage, what's requirement for each disability and percentage. Now, the VA doesn't actually use that manual to rate. They've got their own version, which is a level two document called the M21. That's what the VA uses every day. That's, what they, that's, that's their Bible internally at the VBA. They use that issue, that book, okay? And they stand behind that book pretty far, you know. Now, knowing those three documents, they're, you know, they're of record. You can, you know, you can actually look at those and see. You know, as long as you know what is wrong with you and you know that it happened in service, you know, and you can look at the part three. The part three tells you all kinds of Everything from point A to point B, it tells you about the effective dates, it tells you about services overseas, it tells you about character of service, it tells you everything. You know, so you once you get all your information together, you go ahead, you can file your claim. You know, so next thing you ask for, okay, I'm going to file my claim, I know what I need to do. All right, so when I file my claim, here's what I want to do. Do I need to have all my evidence together? And if you're smart, you'll have everything you need because you need to collect everything. There's a form called, it's a VA form. It's a 21-526-EZ. And you can actually go to the VA website and fill it out online, and you can send your information in to the portal, I guess. If you live east of the Mississippi River, it goes to Newton, Georgia. Or if you live west of the Mississippi River, it goes to Zanesville, Wisconsin. Is that right, Gerald? Is it Zanesville, Wisconsin? That's right, yeah. yeah. So they want you to send your information there so they can get it put it on a digital thing, and you can have your, it's called a fully developed claim. Okay, and they'll usually look at it, and they'll send you some information, send you for a CMP exam, and usually it goes pretty smooth. You know, in a perfect world, that is. Now... Put all your information together and get all your copies of the information you can. The VA has stuff in record, you know, that you can get copies of. Uh, you get your private doctor's records and put it in there. Uh, the VA should send you to a C&P exam to get a nexus. It does not hurt 
any person that has a physical ailment, a physical ailment only, to go get an independent medical opinion or an examination. Using the Disabled Benefits Questionnaire format that the VA has on their website for your specific disability, which is called a DBQ. On a separate page, separate from the DBQ, you need to sit down and write on top of that, please state their opinion. Is this person's disability related to any issue in related to this veteran's period of military service from dates and dates and injury-related service? Put a semicolon there and have the doctor write an opinion and have them put a nexus and rationale in there. You know, this person hurt his back in 1909, so whatever, whatever, whatever. And the arthritis has become so severe, so, so, this, you know, but it's progressed to this and this. And so have them put that on there like that, you know. That way it'll be a lot helpful because sometimes these C&P examiners who actually work for the VA need a set of glasses because it's hard to see them x-rays for some reason. You know what I mean? <laughs> So but that's what happens. You need to have them fill this out and turn it in together before the developed claim. Now, if something happens in this full developed claim process and you get sidetracked, evidence goes missing and they don't have what they need, the full developed claim process train track gets sidetracked and you have a derailment. The train jumps off the track and you jump on the fully developed underdeveloped claims process, which is a regular process, which is the 526. The easy part is gone. It goes into the regular claims process. And you're back on the slow boat to China. It's still a process, but the full developed claims process is just an expedited process to try to reduce the backlog. They'll still do the same treatment and things like that, you know, and try to adjudicate the process. Now, the VA will send you a form and they'll want to know if you would like representation to do your claim when you do your claim. Now, what you do is you look at that form, and now you have to make a major league decision. Who do you want to represent you to help do your claim? Don't make the mistake I did. Don't walk into a smoky-looking bar place with a dude half-drunk to fill your claim out. That's when you turn a you turn a neck injury into concussion that meant it screws you up for ten years. You know what I mean, Gerald? Yeah, I sure do. Okay. So what you need to do is investigate. Interview some folks and talk to them. You know. Talk to some people that's been successful and see who they use and see and see the people that help them. And make your decision that way. Make an informed decision because your representation is your a power of attorney. You sign a paper giving them the power of attorney to, to make decisions on your claim. And you know, power of attorney is a pretty powerful benefit. And you can, you know, whether you use the Disabled American Veterans, the American Legion, the PVA, AMVETS, any one of those organizations, you know, all of them have good people. All of them also have bad people, so you got to be careful. Because they're only as good as their best people, and they're only as bad as their worst people. And not everybody's the same. 
There's another option, too, available. You can actually use a certified claims agent, you know, so, you know, they can help, too. But, you know, there's certain areas that, you know, they can help and certain areas that can't. So, but remember, just be careful in your choosing your, your representation. Most people don't want representation. They want to go it alone, which is fine and dandy. You, you can, you know, if you have enough knowledge and understand the system, you can just about do it yourself anyways. There's a lot of folks on Had It that would help you that I can, you know, that's easily recommended that can do this. And actually a lot, they have a lot more knowledge, skills, and abilities than anyone in a, in a veteran service organization. You know, but select wisely, choose wisely, and, you know, you should, this peace of mind should be okay. Research. Don't ever give up research. Keep researching. Um this may not be easy to take, but the more you learn about the process, the better off you're going to be. Educate yourself. You know, if you're interested in something, the more you're going to learn it. You know, if you're a bosun's mate in the Navy and you like knots, you learned all them 300 knots while you're in the Navy, you like knots. This is the same way. If you like this system, learn it. If you've got a computer, dig into it. You'll learn stuff that you never thought you would. See how your disability relates to others. You can go on the computer. You can search BVA decisions. Once you learn the search engine, you can tap in your issue against other things. And you can see the wins and losses of the BVA. You can go to court decisions. You can see things that relate to you. You can see where you stand up at. You know, you can look at certain parameters and factors involved. So that's, you know, that's how you file your claim, basically. Try to do it on the easy form and try to keep it going. You know, it's all it's all not easy. They just use that word easy because the IRS uses a 1040 easy. It's easy for them, all right. You know, but still, it's because uh, of the form. How easy. many people do we know have had it there, John? Do, uh, do you remember uh, who was successful using the easy form, uh, the fully developed claim? I know we had some. We've had several during the past two years. We've had a lot. Um, yeah, you know uh, they've been successful, but they had the, they did come to had it, and they had their uh, through the information that they was able to gather there. They had it the do's and don'ts, and, and uh, uh, they was able to send in a fully developed claim, which is uh, very important. And uh, they were successful. Now, some of them did get reverted back to the normal route. Uh, It wasn't all of them, you know, that was successful, but some did. And and for those, it made it just so much easier. And uh, time-consuming, it really cut down on on the lost time that you would wait months and years that you run into. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the other side. You want to? Okay, you file yeah. your claim, and it goes up to the regional office, and they get your claim. So Mr. McGillicuddy gets your claim at the regional office, and he says, hmm, Mr. David P. Johnson, hmm, okay, he served this day and this day, okay, let's see here. He done this and this and this and this, and he done this and this and that and that, hmm, Here's see. Let's look up the two fourteen. 
what he's doing is he's taking your information and looking at you very closely. This is a non-adversarial system, but the first thing that the VA looks at is your DD-214. And what do they look at, Gerald? Well, they look at uh, your awards, uh, the MOS you had, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the pertinent information in there that he could utilize uh, uh, to help him make a decision. Is there anything in there that uh, would show that... Uh, uh, you know, if, especially if he was in a combat theater, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that would help him uh, somewhat. Uh, they need to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. They do look at this stuff. They look at it, but that's the third and thing they, they look at. And they want to know first, if he was honorably discharged. Uh, that was the first thing they look at. There's three. They look at your awards and look at everything else. The first two things they look at, okay, this is a non-adversarial system. The first thing they look at is the dates that you served. They want to know if you have the qualifying time in order to receive VA benefits. If you miss it by one day, guess what? Uh, you don't have nothing. Then they look at character of service. If you've got a big chicken dinner or dishonorable discharge, you don't get nothing either. If those two are okay, then they start looking at the other stuff. That's what they look at. And uh, I've seen a lot of folks upset because they uh, they get put out with a BCD, but they've had two or three enlistments, you know, and the first two enlistments were honorable, and they got injured on the first or second enlistment. Then the third enlistment, get PTSD and go over the hill and have a fight for 15 years the VA and finally get their service connection but uh, on the first two enlistments. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. So at least you've got each enlistment's a different category, so that's a good thing. But they look at that information, and they put your claim in the file, and they get everything lined up, and they get you set up. They start the adjudication process. They start requesting information and records. Of course, an easy claim is supposed to have the information and records, and they wait till you get that in from Wisconsin or from Georgia, Georgia, excuse me. And then uh, they put it all together, and they start the adjudication process, and it's all computerized. And once everything goes, they call you in for a CMP exam, and the doc looks at you, and he gives you a range of motion test and everything to kind of see what your range is, and he writes the next opinion. And next thing you know, you go in, and they give you 10% because of your back, and, you know, and you get a letter in the mail, you award it 10%, you get 110 bucks a month, next thing you know, you're doing cartwheels in the living room. Okay, and if you're happy, you're happy. But you look at that, you see that 10%, but you've been looking at the regulations, you've already seen what the Part 4 says. You know what your range of motion is. Hmm, my range of motion shows more than 10%. What happened here? Oh, did you get low-balled? <laughs> <laughs> Happens every uh, day, folks. Uh, folks, I'll tell you, the VA is notorious uh, when they should be giving you uh, 30 or 40 percent. Uh, they they try to get you satisfied with a 10, and, and uh, don't sit there and take it. You fight upon it, appeal it. <laughs> Sure. You want the donut or you want the holder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, you want what do you? I mean, you know what? Uh, if you, you know, if it shows you should be getting thirty percent and they only give you ten, go back and call them on it to say, hey, this is not right, and uh, take them to task because. If you do 30%, you want 30%. Uh, uh, you deserve it. Yeah, that's true. What we can do, we'll discuss the uh, actual appeals process and NODs in the next series. But I do want to touch on types of claims, okay? Now, there's different types of claims. You know, you've got a regular claim for disability benefits. You've got pension claims, which basically, if you're a veteran of wartime, Air veteran, and you don't meet the income criteria, or you meet the income criteria to receive a pension, say that uh, you've lived in a pretty desolate. Say if you're from Appalachia and you're a Vietnam veteran, and uh, you've not been able to work all your life and lived in a shack on top of a mountain, and you've been to Vietnam, and you lived off the land all your life, and now you're getting old and uh, no longer live off the land, and you want some benefits, you can go to the VA and file for a wartime pension. You know that, Gerald? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of them, uh, for instance, in different areas, are extremely low income, and and they would qualify. I don't know what yeah. the pay scale is now. I think it's over dollars. It all depends, I guess, on certain locations, you know, and. Uh, yeah. There's a national average, so you can look it up under it. They've got anything. It's on the VA website. You can look it up. Just type in VA.gov, a pension amounts and things like that. It'll give you all kinds of charts and stuff if you want to look at it. You know, that website's pretty easy to use. Uh, other types of claims, you've got um, um, the VA actually treats everything as a claim, okay? So if you get your award and uh, you want to put your kids on there, say you've got three kids in uh, grade school, and they didn't consider them, even though you do the documentation form when you first file your claim, the VA will not put them on it until they receive a certain form. There's a dependent form you got to add. I like to add that form when I'm doing the claim, but sometimes that form gets lost and they still don't add your dependents. I had to fight with that for a couple of times, but I don't see why they do that when the dependent information is on the original 526 form. You know what I mean, Gerald? Yes. I guess they want to know. That's just a headache, okay? They treat that as a claim. Uh, believe it or not, two or three years ago, it was taken up to 14 months to service-connect kids. When well, that's a 10-minute job. Yeah. Hunt their information to the computer and hit send. That's pathetic, and I know so mm-hmm. many veterans that's had issues with that. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you first file a claim, uh, usually you have to produce your marriage license, and uh, if you've been married and divorced before, you have to show the divorce papers from your uh, first spouse, or second, or third, how many times, and uh, and then your marriage license, and then if you have children, uh, their birth certificates, uh, so... Uh, uh, but unfortunately, so many times that gets lost in the shuffle. And like you said, there's there's really no excuse for that. Uh, that's why it's 
it's so important to keep everything in, that you send the VA or give the VA in, the, in a uh, uh, folder. And you might need a real big folder before it's all over with. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's true. You're going to need more than a big folder. You better get you a, you better get you a filing cabinet. <laughs> I got three filing cabinets. Prepping no, one to be 12 door I, jobs. I still got boxes of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, keep all your stuff together. Yeah. You know. Now, uh, one of my favorite types of claims, and uh, this is everybody's favorite types of claims because. These claims bring the most uh, bang for your buck if you get a chance to prove it. That's called a Q claim. And the Q claim is not going to the pool hole and hit the cue ball, is it, Gerald? The Q claim is a clear and unmistakable error claim. You know, say you filed a claim when you got out of service. Say, uh, let's see. Say, for example, uh, you were working on an aircraft carrier out in, down in Pensacola, and you were training the flyers, or you were running a catapult, and uh, these young kids were coming in making their first carrier landings on these airplanes. And say this one dude come in from a, for his first landing, and they was he was on his approach, and you was over the catapult with the resting gear to catch him the cable, you know, I guess the resting gear, and you were a catapult captain at the time. This dude comes in, and he's all over the place, looks like, you know, and he's trying to land, and he's already nervous as all get out, and then they wave him off. So the guy panics and forgets he's flying a plane <clears throat> and thinks he's driving a car and uses his feet instead of his hand on the stick, turns the plane upside down and crashes it right into the island of the aircraft carrier. Plane parts goes everywhere and all over top of everything, including the cat captain who dives into the basket on the side of the flight deck and gets back up and he's got fire all over him and stuff and he gets up and starts brushing stuff off and trying to get put the fire out. He files a claim with the VA when he gets out of the military because of that because he's got PTSD and burns and everything else. And the VA denies his claim because they said the situation really never happened. Well... Twenty years later, he's playing on the computer and looks and sees this video. Sees the video and guess what's in the video, Gerald? Uh, him jumping off the deck. The plane crashing. Him, him right yeah. on the front page. Yeah. He saves the video and he gets a bunch of buddy statements and finally gets the deck logs. And boy, he Q claims for twenty years ago. He's. Boom, he's got it made in, you know. Of course, they have to they lowball him, but he still gets his stuff, you know. Q claim. Clear and unmistakable error. That is a claim that is filed on a fully adjudicated claim. That means a final claim that's already been decided. It is an error that claim it has to have an error in a legal error. And that error has to be so astonishing that reasonable reasonable minds would differ and say, Yes, this is an error. And there's some folks on Had it that used to eat that stuff up. Uh 
we lost the best one here last uh, a couple months ago, folks. Carly, she was a Q claim expert. Boy, that was her favorite thing to do. Yes, it was. She was good at yeah. the Q claim. She was really good at it. But uh, I've seen a lot of guys win a lot of stuff on the Q. And, of course, the regional office will hardly ever award a Q claim. Uh, of course, they don't really want to mess with them too much, so they have to go to the next level. I've seen some go to the BVA, and then they bounce it back to the regional office, and they bounce it back to the BVA, and they play ball with it for a couple of years. Kind of like your claim drill, they keep passing it back and forth. Yeah. But uh, eventually, you know, you got to get it to the right location so they get it awarded. And uh, once they get it awarded and get things situated, for example, if you got a 20-year Q claim, and, you know, if you find something like that. Now, the reason that Q claim was won there is if you file a claim and there is the effective dates and things like that, there is a section of the Title 38 CFR Part 3, it's called 3.56, in Paragraph C, if service department records are missing when you file your claim and those records are later discovered and your claim is denied and those records are supporting evidence to win your claim, then it goes back to the day you filed your original claim. So that's an automatic. And that's one of the strongest cues you can have. It has to be legal error. And legal error means that they have to violate the regs. You know, it could be anything like that. Now, if they lowball you and things like that, and they try to rationale out of it, giving you a certain percentage, the Part 4 is pretty strong. The Part 4 tells you, you know, uh, what your rating what your rating should be. Uh, one of the biggest ones I've seen is uh, lung ratings. Okay, if you've got, uh, <clears throat> say if you've got uh, COPD or any type of lung disease, uh, lung as interstitial or restrictive lung disease or structural lung disease, you can have lung disease and you can have all your pulmonary readings, all your PFTs and things like that. You know, you can meet the criteria for certain levels. But if you've got pulmonary hypertension, that's an automatic 100% rating. Because one little word, that word is or. Or is the most powerful word in that schedule. And a lot of guys, sometimes they miss that. If you've got it and they don't rate you 100% and you let it die, that's a cue. They have, they'll have to re-rate that and fix that. And a lot of times you'd call them up and you say, hey, this is a situation. Uh, or. And you show them that, and then they give it to you. A friend of mine down in Texas just uh, fought that and been fighting it for three or four years. And he finally won that. They had to back up and pay. You know, they said they weren't going to do it. He made them do it. So good for him. Yeah, he got it. I'm glad. Yeah, good for him. Well, he should have had it a long time ago. Well, yes, he should have. Yeah. I did win a cue on my ears. Uh, they yes, you did. Z- yeah, they gave me a zero rating and um, my tendonitis, uh, mm-hmm. when it should have been uh, 10%. So uh, they did back up and pay it. So I was happy with that. Uh, but you got to call them on it. If, if you sit there and accept all their... their uh, How long does it take you to do that, Drew? Rating. We talk about that. Uh, once I filed a queue, actually, it was less than a year. Who told you to do that? 
and they still wrote it up anyways, you know. They acts like Dr. Bash is a hired gun, hired headhunter, you know. Yeah. And uh <clears throat> but uh Doctor Bash had the last laugh. I mean he actually went to the B V A with this guy. And uh, he sat there in front of the judge and he brought everything, AIDS and everything, showing the judge, you know, what was wrong with this guy. And at the end of the hearing it was the, <laughs> they had to give in. I mean, you know, Doctor Bash is uh, you know, he's like Bo Jackson. You know, Bo knows baseball. Yeah. Knows, he knows the VA, buddy. I tell you that. I mean, you know, it's that's one thing about him. He's expensive, but you know, once you see him in action, you know, it's uh, uh you know, it's it, it's it's an investment with him. So, I mean, you know, you get what you pay for. Is what I say. You know, it it becomes necessary, and and I that's so sad. Yeah. I don't know what else a, a poor guy's going to do, or gal, or a poor veteran. Yep. Uh, they're stuck between a rock and a hard spot, and and uh, here you have to resort to this, and uh, you have to get someone with Doctor Bat, uh, uh, Doctor Bash's caliber to. To combat the VA to get your due process, you know uh, what's right. Yeah. What's right is right. Yeah. And uh, uh, they want want to make you feel like a beggar. Yep. Yeah. And, and they'll they'll put they'll put the put on you any which way they can. That's right. So you need good help. Yeah. And I'm sorry to say sometimes it's money out of your pocket and, and a lot of poor yeah. veterans just don't have it. Yeah. No, that's the problem because, you know, you're first of all, you're disabled and uh, you've probably been that way for a while. And dealing with the situation, you know, you're probably not really, you're not able to work, so your income is probably very low. You know, and you're probably worried about putting food on the table and paying your electric bill and staying into a house, you know, not alone trying to find money to pay for an independent medical examination. So you're having to rely on the VA for medical care and everything else. <clears throat> you know, especially you being uh, under the weather sick or you've got other injuries or, you know, and it's not good. So that's no, the worst thing about it, you know. Situation. No, it's not a good situation. And uh, fortunately, uh, you know, they can, things, you know, things have to be, uh, you know, fall in line. I mean, it's a long, drawn-out process, you know. I mean, it's, it's it's a shame that it has to take a veteran 10 to 15 years to get what, you know, what it took to get the benefits that he earned. You know, because you're supposed to be a deserving veteran, you know, to get the benefits that you earned. Uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a non-adversarial system. That you know, it's kind of a joke in a way because it's not really. I've seen it. I've seen it adversarial in a lot. Some folks have you know a pretty good way. Uh, my first part of the claim was pretty, pretty crazy. It was adversarial as so I'll get out, and then it got easier. Uh, you know, things went the right way. The second, the second phase, the third phase finally went through pretty quick. But uh, you know, the first ten years really screwed me up. And uh, so, but, you know, we're just trying to, you know, help everybody out. And when you file your claim, 
you know, that's the issue is getting your claim filed and getting the process going because the effective date on your claim is the date you file your claim or the date the condition rolls, whichever is later. So, and really what that means is uh, if you file your claim within the first year of separation, it goes back to the day after you get out. But they'll subtract any severance pay you receive. If you're past that, then it goes to the date that you filed your claim. However, <clears throat> if you're diagnosed with a condition, so let's go with hypertension, okay? You get out, of, say you get out of service, and uh, you're out six months, and uh, you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, "Man, your blood pressure sky high." So he keeps having you come back, come back, come back, check it. And he diagnoses you with essential hypertension. He puts you on medication. Well, that diagnosis came six months after you got a service. Immediately go file a claim. That's within your six months. That's in a presumptive period. Okay, most issues have got a presumptive period. Some have got longer, like uh, neurological diseases have got a longer period, like uh, Parkinson's or uh, 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 what is it, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, muscular dystrophy, muscular sclerosis. They've got longer presumptive periods. So. You can look at it too. Uh, I think it's in the part three. You can see what diseases have presumptions. You can look those up. Uh, just do a Title 38 search, CFR Part Three, and then type presumptives, and it'll give you the presumptive list. You have the Vietnam list. You have Southeast Asia. You have uh, overseas, and you have the general presumptives list as to what diseases have presumptives. Hypertensions a year. Okay, once you get that filed, you know, and things like that. But you can still file the claim later, too, because even though you were not in service, it was diagnosed within a presumptive period. Okay, and now mine was denied, of course, but I had the resources. I still I got lucky if I found all my records. I got all my blood pressure readings that I had, and uh, they kept saying I didn't have hypertension in service. And uh, a CMP examiner actually... We were going through the records during CMP exam, and I was holding the record while she was examining me, and uh, we just found that page. And out of uh, out of 17 readings I had in the military, 14 of them were high, Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> she said, okay, boom. So that was a pretty good deal. And uh, I haven't queued that one yet, but I'm thinking about it. But... Um, so it's not a, uh, you know, it's not a game, people. This is life. It's a game of life. Because this is your livelihood and your survival. Because if you get situated to where you're a disabled veteran and, you know, you, uh, if you can still work, that's great. Because, you know, you can work as long as you're a disabled veteran, as long as you're not, you know, as long as you're not IU, you've got a mental health disorder. We haven't touched on uh, PTSD as much this 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 show, but uh, we'll close it out with PTSD. And, uh the reason I'll say it for last is because PTSD, PTSD is a different bird. And uh, PTSD, you've got your hands tied. Uh, post-traumatic stress disorder claims. Uh, you file a claim for PTSD. And you can file one uh, pretty much uh, 526EZ, uh, folded up claim. Mostly because PTSD claims you have to have be treated either by a physician at the VA, diagnosed by a physician at the VA, or diagnosed by a treating physician. Uh, you file your claim, and they'll find out, and they'll verify your stressors and everything, and they'll put you through the CMB again, but they'll do that, and they'll issue you a rating. 
with PTSD, you can get the, the opinion of your treating examiner. You cannot go out and get an IMO. Do you know that, Gerald? That's right. You have to uh, get it from the VA psychiatrist or something. Right. Uh, and they just changed that, didn't they? Uh, how long has that yeah. been in effect? Uh, uh, a year or so. A little bit over a year, uh, I think. Before... You know, veterans could go to a local uh, psychiatric uh, clinic, and uh, and they would use their the doctor's statements. Uh, but uh, uh, for whatever reason, uh, the VA decided, oh, we we can't have this. Uh, we're getting too many people with uh, uh, PTSD claims, so. Yeah. Now they're wanting to change them over to, uh, uh, well, they got on this personality disorder or something. Uh, yeah. Type of stuff. But this is the same old trick that the military was using back in Vietnam. You had some yeah. people that, you know, they actually had PTSD, but they were like, oh, this guy's nuts. Let's get him out of here. Let's get him out. Let's, let's discharge yeah. him. He's got a personality disorder. Boom. Well, yeah. So they him out. Section 8 and kick him out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh you know some of those people uh was able to go back on them and get things turned around but it takes a lot of work and if you're you're strapped down with PTSD I tell you this is uh, this is something you just don't want to do <laughs> No uh, so you have to secure Either attorney or, uh, well, first you have to file your claim, and then if you get mm-hmm. when you get denied, uh, yep. you. Uh, I guess two shows down the road. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> then you got to go back after them. Uh, so it's a, 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 you know, it's a stressful situation. Someone with PTSD shouldn't have to go through. And uh, uh, now they have it where you have to deal with the um, uh, VA psychiatrists. And, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how many of them are actually psychiatrists or, or the nurse practitioners. Psychologists. Uh, or psychologists, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, it's whoever the VA decides it's going to determine it, and, and usually they're not veteran-friendly. Right, that's true, you know. And, uh, uh, so it, uh, PTSD it's is very, kind of very area. Yeah, it's going to become a, a, a more difficult claim, Pollen, uh, I, I think, on PTSD. I think so. I think so. It's going to be. They're going to raise the standards on it to where uh, not very many people are going to qualify. Yeah, I think so. uh, Or they just don't have the information necessary to qualify. They're coming up magic pill and cure everybody. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They're going to stick everybody with leeches on them or something. I don't know. Some kind of voodoo type stuff. Well, they've already said they only know medicine-wise 
a very small percentage of what actually goes on in the human brain. Yeah. We don't have the technology to understand that, you know. I mean, some neurosurgeons know, you know, more of the working, you know, the working aspects of the brain. But the body that actually made the human brain is one smart person, one smart body. I'm going to say it's going to be a person. I'm going to think it's more biblical than person. Yeah. uh, You know, so to understand that, you know, uh, anything goes on in the brain, folks, is is a guess. The only thing that medical science can determine is blood flow in the brain. They know what areas do what, you know, because they've tested thinking and seeing and things like that and what controls what, but uh, that's about it. They got to where they can actually control Parkinson's disease and Tourette's syndrome in the brain by putting leads and stuff. You see that, Drew? Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, Yeah, but it's kind of risky. I don't think I want them to operate on my brain. No, put leads in there, you know. Because, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all a guess. It's all a guess, especially, you know, in the, in, in the mental health. But, you know, if you have got a mental health issue and you file your claim, go ahead and file your claim and, you know, get it worked out. And hopefully, you know, you, you'll be service-protected according and properly and you get the correct treatment and things like that. And uh, anybody, anybody that needs to file a claim, go ahead and get a file. You know, get your information. If you don't have a lot of information, you know, go ahead and get your claim in because at least you keep your effective date. Uh, <clears throat> one thing I want to stress, and this is probably the most important thing that <clears throat> Gerald and I can stress, is that when you file a claim, if you mail anything to the VA, whether it's through Zanesville or through Newton, Georgia, or anywhere like that, always send your information and your envelope to them through the U.S. Mail Certified Return Receipt. Get the little green copy back. Make sure you scan that in the computer and keep it. Because if push comes to shove and they say they didn't receive it, you can show it stapled to the copy. Here it is. It's Billy Bob Johnson signed for it on 15 March, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yes, this is extremely important. Right, because the VA... Now, if the VA sends you a letter to terminate your benefits and you don't receive it, or they say they send you a letter and you don't receive it, which a lot of times they do. We sent you a letter on this day and you never received it. Well, they probably never sent it. The post office rules. So if you didn't receive it, that's your loss. But you got proof that you sent it to them. They should, they should have to send it to you the same way, right, Gerald? I would think so. They should so, have to send yeah. that to you certified, yeah. Any letter serving benefits or anything like that that has legal ramifications, they'll be have to send you, make you sign for it. Some, you know what I mean? They should have to do that. That should be law. That's not a bad idea. That's who who we contact on that. Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe but that Obama. should be the way it's done. I don't know, man. He's too busy right now. He's got some other stuff he's doing. Well, well, I think he's he got writers' right now. Executive order. Mm-hmm. Okay. One thing I want to uh, warn everybody about, every time you send, every piece of paper you send in should have your name, uh, your uh, claim number, which is usually your Social Security, uh, or your last four, I would say, mm-hmm. and the date. 
the day. You just stamp. Uh, because uh, I'm saying this because I'm going through trying to uh, reestablish a lot of my claims folder that it turned out it got uh, destroyed in the VA somehow. I don't know. But uh, I'm trying to, uh, and I found that the dates are missing. I was going to do it by dates, which makes sense. I found that the date's missing on a lot of the paperwork. Now, I don't know why that is, but it is. And get you a stamp and put the dates on these doggone pieces of paper. Every piece of paper, put your name, your last four, and your uh, date Yep, this I'll tell you another secret, Gerald. You, you have to come back and rebuild your, your claim folder. Uh, that, uh, that's critical. I'll tell you another way to do it. You don't need a stamp. You can do it this way. If you've got a printer, laser printer or inkjet printer, what you can do is this. You can put your paper... Your, your documents in your printer, in the blank paper section of your printer. You can open up a Word document or anything like that. In the top right-hand corner, take out your margins. Put your name, your claim folder, information you need right there in the top right. Print, print one copy first and hold it up against your claim, your paperwork. And then print one copy and see where it's on the paper. And see if it fits, and check your papers. Make sure it's going to fit, and then print everything. And what it'll do is it'll put it'll put it on there for you in ink that cannot be taken off. Yeah. Plus, um, you do 500 pages in just a few minutes. Yeah, that'd be a lot quicker than what I was saying. But at the time, but, I didn't have a printer. So. You got the Mac Daddy now, though. Oh yeah, I got Mac Daddy. You got now, the funky really. monkey now. Yeah. <laughs> It, it would do it now, uh, but back when I needed it to be able to do something like that, I didn't have it. So that's true. But uh, but ladies and gentlemen, I really hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Bachelor Hour because we you know we wanted to bring this to you. This is uh, episode one, probably four episodes. The next three, you know, we'll cover, and the next one we'll cover another issue. In following the claim process, this will probably be, uh, the next one will be starting off the decisions. You receive your decision. We'll take that and the pills and things like that, and then uh, we'll start with that. We might even go into an attorney. We might either hold that for the next episode or depends on how far we get next time. We could do this whole thing, whole thing in 30, but, uh, you know, we're just trying to go slow enough to keep everybody, you know, on pace. So uh, everybody's welcome to listen to this thing over and over again. We hope that uh, everybody enjoyed this show. You know, Drew and I really enjoy giving it. Uh, you know, we do appreciate everybody listening. We hope that everybody listens to more. Uh, we got another show tomorrow. We got the one and only Mr. John Rossi and the Hadit.com Block Talk Radio Show. John is with the Blue Water Navy. And John will give us an update on the, you know, the Blue Water Navy. And the guys are getting a bad deal, and hopefully they'll get straightened out before long. Isn't that right, Gerald? Yeah, doggone it. Uh, we we have a lot of Blue Water Navy uh, veterans that are in bad ways, and uh, it's horrible. It, it really is. It's 
got to keep the information flowing, and, yep. and hopefully some good will come of it. And it'll take all you folks out there to help make it so. so. Yeah, that's right. Well, thanks for coming on, Drill. I appreciate it, buddy. Well, it's been my pleasure, John. And, uh, well, guys, that's about it for today. This will be Jay Basser, and we'll be signing off for now. You have been listening to the Basser Hour. The Basser Hour is brought to you by Hadit.com. Stay tuned next week for another edition of the Basser Hour and the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>